Hey, good morning, Faith Church, or good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're watching this. Thanks for tuning in to our worship at home, and thanks for tuning into this part of the service, the, the teaching from God's Word. You know, we had a plan going into this weekend, Nathan. Uh, Pastor Jeff was going to preach, uh, but he'd been sick for a couple of days and didn't seem to be getting any better. So Pastor Nathan and I said, well, Jeff's written a good sermon. Let's save it so that he can deliver it later. And we'll jump into a different story in which Jesus gets interrupted and we'll kind of tackle it together, yeah. which is what we're still going to do. But we're going to pause for just a moment right now because we updated you on Friday that Pastor Jeff had tested positive for COVID-19, the disease related to the coronavirus pandemic we're currently experiencing. That brought an immediate a sobering effect on yeah. our staff and on our elders and the other pastors. Um, and so we've been spending time in prayer for Jeff since then. Um, in fact, I think now would be a great time for you to just pause the video and pray for Jeff. Some of you, this may be the first time you're hearing this, and, and we're sorry, we tried to get the information out as broadly as we could. But yeah. If this is the first time you're hearing it, then great, stop and pray. If it's not, still, stop and pray. We'll be here when you get back. And now that you're back, uh, we're going to jump into this story from Mark chapter 4 of Jesus calming a storm because we're in this series, Nathan, still called Interruptions. Yeah. Uh, are interrupted, and, yeah. and we're experiencing that yeah, on, it seems like, sure. a moment-by-moment basis. Earlier this week, we had to change our plans since Jeff was sick and, and not really getting better. Uh, now we, have to, we change our plans even on the morning we're planning on recording this uh, sermon discussion yeah. as we find out more about how Jeff's doing, which he's doing well, so keep praying. Yeah. Um, but interruptions are just a part of life. Yeah, interruptions are a part of life, and which is why I think it's, it's good for us to see how Jesus handled those interruptions. Mm -hmm. um, and so in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, mm -hmm. Jesus is interrupted from his sleep. Uh, but even before that, there's an interruption of a storm that causes the disciples to panic. Yeah. Um, and so if you haven't had someone uh, in your group, or if you haven't uh, read Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41 yet, go ahead and pause this video and uh, read through that and then resume the video when you're done. Uh, before we get into exactly what happens in this story, why don't you paint the picture of the context yeah. and what's going on? Yeah, so to set the context real quick, so this is a story that shows up in all three of what we call the synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mm -hmm. Synoptic just means they sort of see things the same way. Yeah. They sort of follow Synopsis. the same patterns. Yeah, yeah. like to, to see with. Yeah. Uh, so it shows up in all three places, Mark 4, Luke 8, Matthew 8. Uh, in Mark's story, it is happening after a long day of teaching. Yeah. So the beginning of chapter 4 said that Jesus began to teach beside the sea. He gets out on a boat out onto the Sea of Galilee or the, the Lake of Galilee in order to teach to the people gathered on the hillside. Yeah. Right. It's like a natural amphitheater. Yeah. So he's out on this boat and Mark says he's teaching and then he, Mark kind of throws in a couple other parables and explains how Jesus approached parables and how he explained mm -hmm. them to his followers and all of that. Then he comes back to, in verse 35, back to like real time on that day, that same day that he was teaching, when evening had come, so after a long day of teaching, Jesus, he's in the boat, he says, let's go to the other side. Mm. And so his disciples push off further from shore and begin sailing to the other side. Yeah. Now, it's important to point out, at least four of these guys that are with Jesus, we know are experienced fishermen yeah. on the Lake of Galilee. They are used to going out on a boat like this 
in the evening to fish. So yeah. this isn't a dangerous journey or anything they're taking. This yeah. is just normal going from one side yeah. to the other. And not only did they know obviously where like fishing spots were, but they knew how the winds moved traditionally mm -hmm. and they were used to this situation. Yeah. Um, so this rather routine journey across the lake um, or across the Sea of Galilee is something that initially would not give them cause for alarm. To go out in the evening was something they were used yeah. to. They're used to fishing all night to then sell what they caught the next day um, for their livelihood. Uh, so what begins as a rather normal journey is... It gets interrupted. It, yeah, it gets interrupted. Yeah, uh, verse 38 or 37 tells us a great windstorm or a squall or a nor'easter or whatever word you want to yeah. use for it uh, arises, right? And, and the region is known for this. Yeah. Um, the, even today, uh, Arabic fishermen on the Sea of Galilee call these kind of storms little sharks. Yeah. Uh, because they just, they pop up like that and, and they can be dangerous. Yeah. But this appears to be one that is a lot worse than what they're used to experiencing. Yeah. Another verse later, they're going to describe their situation as like, we're dying here. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really know exactly how severe the storm was other than knowing that veteran sailors were on the point of death. Yeah. Like that's how bad it was. Yeah. They, they could not control the, they couldn't get the water out of the boat fast enough anymore. Yeah. So we see um, in verse 37 that the waves were breaking into the boat. So the boat was already filling. Mm -hmm. So the storm has arisen up out of nowhere. They're in the middle of the lake. This interruption of life has been thrown at them. And in a sense, they, they feel powerless, right? Because who yeah. contained the ocean? Who contained right, the exactly. sea? I mean, think of the power of a storm like this. It is pure, unmitigated, um, impersonal, non-discerning, destructive chaos. Yeah, chaos right? is, I think, a great word yeah, for that. Yeah, one thing that all uh, sort of ancient cultures agreed on is that water equals chaos. Yeah. The sea, the ocean was purely untamable, impersonal, does not care who you are. It, it simply destroys everything. Yeah. The disciples and Jesus are experiencing this storm interruption differently, but then the second interruption happens. Second where interruption happens. Jesus the disciples, is Yes, Jesus is asleep, and the disciples interrupt Jesus in his sleep to ask him a question. And what's the question they ask So him? the question they ask, uh, verse 38, right, Jesus is asleep. And, and we should keep in mind, Jesus is the rabbi, yeah. right? He's the teacher. He is the honored guest. He is the highest exalted of this whole group of people. Like, He's in the exalted place, in the back, doesn't have to do the manual labor, gets to simply relax, fall asleep. They wake him up, his disciples wake him in verse 38, and they say to him, teacher, rabbi, do you not care that we are perishing? It's like, rabbi, don't you care that we're dying? And don't you care is the exact same phrase that we saw last week when we looked at uh, the Mary and Martha story. Mm -hmm. in yeah, Luke. Martha asking, don't you care? Exactly, yeah. asking Jesus, Lord, don't you care? So it's asked in a way to imply like, well, of course he cares. So he can respond with, yes, of course I care. Yeah. Right. He says, don't you care that we're dying? We are moments away from death. We're moments away from perishing. Does yeah. this not bother you at all? Yeah. Right. Yeah. In the other versions in Matthew and in Luke, yeah. um, Mark is a lot more raw, like emotionally raw with a lot more detail. Mark and Luke are kind of a little smoother in you their mean Matthew, and Matthew and Luke. Yeah. Thank you. Matthew and Luke are a little smoother in their telling of the story. In, in Luke, the disciples say to Jesus, "Lord, save us." It, it's a very like Christological prayer. "Lord, save us." 
in, in Matthew, it's more of a, a plea, master, master, can't you see that we're dying? In Mark, it's, it's real raw. It's just, don't you care that we're dying? Yeah. Yeah. So it almost comes across as a rebuke. Like yeah. They are waking him up after yeah. a hard day's work and saying, do you have so little care that you're sleeping while we're dying? Yeah. And I mean, no one likes to be woken from a sleep, right? Yeah, Especially right. in a situation like this where you are exhausted. Sleep is finally the one thing you have to rest and then someone wakes you up from that. So, yeah, and I think one of the most fascinating questions about this passage is, what did they expect Jesus to do? Yeah. So, so far in the, in the, the narrative of Mark, you know, we've seen Jesus do some healings. Yeah. Uh, a withered hand, a paralytic. Um, so they've, they've heard his teaching, they've heard the parables, they've had him explained, they've been appointed as the 12, they've but seen Jesus But this might be this first experience of seeing Jesus' power over nature. Right. There haven't been any other nature miracles yet yeah. in Mark. So this is sort of the first real test of, well, how powerful is Jesus? So what, what did they want him to do? Yeah. Is a good question. And I don't know. Did they just want him to bail it out. Yeah, another pair of hands to exactly. bail out the water. Or were they thinking, um, this man is the son of God. He could calm the storm if he would just wake up and do it. At the very least, we know that they were, they were saying to their teacher, they were saying to the, the man they followed, how can you be asleep when we have such a great need? Yeah. How could you be sleeping through my struggle? Yeah. Because Who as knows, you mentioned, right? right, as you mentioned, this, this does seem like almost a rebuke. And so to rebuke your rabbi yeah. is unheard of. Right. And so you don't want to be the one to rebuke your teacher and say, hey, you're not doing what you should be doing. But that's exactly what they come to Jesus yeah. with. This plea it, yeah. of maybe, I know I shouldn't be saying this, but I can't help it. We're about to die. Jesus, teacher, don't you care that we're exactly. about to die? Don't you care? And there's, there's a real sense of like, if if someone who could make a difference is sleeping through your struggle, like, what do you do with that? Yeah. And, and I think Gosh. right now is a good opportunity to pause the video and discuss with the people around you or call a friend and say, like, when are we tempted to feel like God is sleeping through our struggles? Yeah. Uh, even right now uh, with all of this and, and with the, the news, even that our own pastor, Pastor Jeff has uh, coronavirus, it, it, we're really tempted to think like, is God, God asleep at the are wheel? Are you asleep up there? Yeah. Like, don't you see, don't you care? Do you not have any power over this? Yeah. All right. So have that discussion. Um, yeah. When are we tempted to think that God is sleeping through our struggle and then come back to this? All right. Thanks for coming back to this. I know some people probably paused the, the video and Maybe didn't come and back. Maybe didn't come back. So but those for of you sticking that are still with, us, with us, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this for myself, uh, thinking that God is sleeping through my struggle, especially when the struggle is with impersonal forces. Yeah. Right. Like a disease that's spreading, a storm that suddenly sweeps over you. All the things we call like acts of God, which are, are like an earthquake or a fire or a storm yeah. or a flood. Like those are impersonal forces that are indiscriminate yeah. in, in how they destroy things. And to, to be up against it, an impersonal force and to feel like the personal God is asleep, it's a, it's a, real, it's a real struggle. It's a real faith struggle. Yeah. And I think the disciples are facing something similar. So they wake Jesus up, whatever they thought he could do, they wake him up and say, you're the guy that we follow. Don't you care? 
that we're dying here. Yeah. And last week when Martha asked that question to Jesus, don't you care? Yeah. He did not respond by answering the question. He didn't change the situation yeah. or answer the question. Yeah, he doesn't say, yes, I do care. Right. Um, and often Jesus does not answer questions the way we want him to. Right. So in the same way, they ask Jesus, do you not care that we are perishing? He doesn't even answer the question. No, but he does, which is different from the Martha story. In this one, he changes the circumstances. Yeah, he does. In that one, he changed Martha. Yeah. In this one, he fights the storm head on. Yeah. I, you know what? Fights is the wrong word because this isn't a battle. Yeah. And in the ESV, it, it's simply three words. Yeah. Peace, be still. Yeah. So verse 39, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still, which is such a soft sounding phrase, isn't it? Yeah. It's and like, almost reading those words maybe gives this sense of like, peace, be exactly. still. Exactly. Like, calm down, please. Yes. But that's not the, what the, he's saying the, at all. Right. The idea of a rebuke, um, of an exorcism almost, mm -hmm. uh, maybe gives more of a feeling of peace. Yeah. Be right. still. Right. Like a command that even just by speaking the words, the disciples are like, whoa, who, who, what? Yeah. If I had to literally translate this to try to get across the real force, it'd be clunky in English uh, and it would be impolite, but it would be Jesus rebukes the wind and says to the sea, sit down and shut up. Yeah. Or just yeah. be quiet and stay quiet. Yeah. It's two verbs, be quiet and remain being quiet. Yeah. It's, it's the way you talk to a disobedient child. Yeah. Or the way, it's like the imagery here is, is like of Jesus muzzling a rabid dog. I mean, yeah. he's just shutting it down. Yeah. And like you mentioned, it really wasn't a fight at all because immediately yeah. the wind ceased and there was great calm. Yeah, which I think, it, so he rebukes the wind and says to the sea, the wind ceases and there's great calm. So it's like there's, suddenly the sea is just glass. Yeah. Su you know, super smooth, which, okay, if the wind had stopped, it might've been a coincidence, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because these storms come fast, they leave fast. Yeah. But for the waves to also, I mean, they would just keep going for hours for the waves to just. Yeah. Your, your boat goes from rocking in the waves, waves just, crashing over to in an instant, just. Yeah. Right. We, right. We, yeah. So this is the second great interruption uh, in this story. The first interruption was the impersonal power of the storm in yeah. the disciples' lives. And the second interruption was the utterly personal power of God yeah. in their lives. And, and one of the things I love about this, one commentator that I read about this said, notice what Jesus says is profound, but what he doesn't say is even more profound. Yeah. There's a lot that we would expect him to say in this situation yeah. that we don't see that yeah. he says. <laughs> he doesn't say, all right, everybody, stand back. Yeah. Watch what I'm about to do. Yeah. Right. Uh, nor does he like, the guy says, nor does he raise a wand yeah. and, and, and begin an incantation. He doesn't even say, uh, by the power vested in me, by the God of heaven and earth, I call upon you to stop. He, he doesn't appeal to any higher authority at all. Yeah. He just says, sit down and shut up yeah. to a hurricane. And so because Jesus doesn't have to appeal to a higher 
power or authority, we see that he is that higher it's power exactly, and authority. Right? If, if he had said, you know, like Elijah, I appeal to the God of heaven, bring down fire. Yeah. Right? Well, God's the highest authority and Elijah is just a conduit for that. But for Jesus to, to simply say, stop, is to say, oh, I am the God yeah. of heaven. Yeah. And, and there's, there's some interesting like Old Testament parallels in the Psalms, of course. God's hand is the only one that can, uh, that can raise up the storm or calm the storm, except in Psalm 89, uh, where it sort of implies that, that the great king, the messianic king they're waiting for, will be given the power over nature mm. to, to calm the yeah. storms. Uh, so it's, it's like Jesus, it's like King Jesus standing up in the boat and just... Yeah. Yeah. And, and another Old Testament parallel is the story of Jonah, right? Yeah. In a situation yes. where there is a storm that arises mm -hmm. and the main protagonist is asleep in the boat. Yeah. Um, and the sailors or the disciples in this case, but they experienced were experienced sailors, sailors yeah. um, are freaking out and panicking because yeah. they think they're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the parallels continue because after Jesus calms the storm, right? He says, peace be still, sit down and shut up. Uh, the wind ceased, there was great calm. And we'll come back to verse 40. I'm going to skip it for the moment. Okay. Verse 41, and they, the disciples, were filled with great fear. Uh, literally, they feared a mega fear, yeah. which is exactly the way it's put in Jonah as well. That after Jonah is thrown into the ocean and, and immediately everything goes calm, calm yeah. they were even more afraid that yeah. of, of the power of whatever God could control the, yeah. the wind and the waves like that. The power they, they just witnessed was exactly. more terrifying than the power of the storm. Yeah, and that's what's happening to the disciples. They are seeing this uncontrollable, untamable, you know, unharnessable power of an indiscriminate storm. Yeah. And they're afraid. Yeah. And then they see the power of God, the personal power of God on their behalf. And they're even more terrified. Yeah. They're even more afraid. So going back to verse 40, mm. Jesus responds to them um, by saying this. Once again, he doesn't answer their question. Nope. He, he calms the storm, but then he asks them a question. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Yeah. What a question oh, coming from gosh. your rabbi. Yeah. And it's not the last time Jesus will rebuke them. For yeah. Or question, yeah. Or question their faith. In Mark. Yeah. Um, yeah, why are you so afraid? And another way to render it is, why have you acted so cowardly? Yeah. Right, and I, I, personally, I would prefer leaning more towards the cowardly understanding of the word. I mean, that's, that's what it means in other translations, get it across that way, because I don't think fear is necessarily the, the bad thing that they're doing. Right. So right. there are places in Scripture, absolutely, where we're told, uh, fear not, for the Lord thy God is with thee, right? Yeah. yeah. Be of great courage, do not fear, yeah. right? But every time we're told don't fear, it's because God's there. Yeah. Uh, but we're also told positively that there are things we should fear, right? Yeah. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. I was uh, hanging out with some friends and we were talking about woodworking and one of them said the fear of the table saw is the beginning of not losing your fingers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, the healthy respect for the, uh, the destructive power of a thing yeah. is wise. Yeah. The fear of who God really is, the healthy respect for who he really is, is wise. So, yeah. but the, the problem here and the reason why I like, I like the word cowardly for this translation, why have you acted so cowardly? even though I would hate to have that question addressed 
to me. Right, right. <laughs> Why are you such a coward? Uh, is cowardice and courage both have to do with how we relate to our fear. Mm. So it, it's easy to think, well, the, the courageous person has no fear, but that's not true. The foolhardy person has no fear. They should be more afraid of a situation than they actually are. Mm. Um, and so the foolhardy person is not letting an appropriate fear temper their actions. Mm. And yeah. so they're doing what is wrong because they don't have enough fear. The cowardly person is not doing what's right because they have too much fear or they're giving fear too much control. The courageous person, right in the middle, the person who exhibits real courage is the person who is afraid and does what is right anyway. Yeah. So when Jesus says to them, why did you act so cowardly? I have to admit, I don't know what they did wrong. Yeah. I, I, maybe let me put it a better way. I, what do you think they should have done? Yeah, what, what response could yeah. they have had that would have made Jesus go, wow, that, great faith. That was the kind of faith you should yeah. have had at this point in our relationship. Yeah. I don't, I, I honestly don't know. Don't know. And I don't I, know. I, I've been thinking about this the whole time that we've been studying and talking yeah. about it. it it's, I, I don't know. So if I don't know what the disciples should have done, that tells me either one of two things are true. Either I don't understand this story very well. Yeah. It, so decide for yourself and then whether or not this was all a waste of time or not. <laughs> either I don't understand the story very well or I would have responded the exact same way the disciples did. Yeah. Uh, I too would have thought that the man I followed was sleeping through my struggle, done everything possible within my power to alleviate my struggle or my suffering. Yeah. And only when I'm at the very end of my abilities, uh, yeah. call on someone else to help me. Yeah. You know, I, I, one of the commentaries I was reading um, when he was talking about the purpose of miracles, and he kind of talked about the different types of miracles that Jesus did. He was talking about uh, miracles over nature, you know, mm -hmm. such as turning water into wine or something yeah. like that. And for this example, uh, power over the storm. Um, and he compared them, uh, miracles over nature, he compared to parables. Uh, and that Jesus is teaching parables uh, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And these power, his power over nature, um, how does he put it? He says, um, the nature miracles function like enacted parables, demonstrating the inbreaking power of the kingdom to those with eyes to see. Hmm. So parables are uh, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Yeah. And he's been explaining to his disciples all day what these parables mean. Yeah. And then here at the end of the day, at night, this inbreaking power of the kingdom comes. And it's almost like he's giving them an opportunity to mm. see who he is. So if you have eyes to see, mm. see it. Oh, that's really interesting. So it's like he had said uh, earlier, the kingdom of God is like uh, a mustard seed, right? Yeah. The smallest of seeds is... It's almost like he could have told this story in a parable of something like um, the kingdom of God is uh, rest in a storm yeah. or calm on choppy waters or yeah. a bubble of shalom yeah. in the middle of a, of a, or something like that. Yeah, but, he could have chosen to try and teach this lesson yeah, to his disciples through a parable. just tell yeah, the story. By letting them hear. But here he gives a window into who he is as the son of God, mm. as the Messiah with the power that he has. Uh, 
so that those with eyes to see can see that. And I think it corresponds with, like a lot of commentators on Mark point out that this miracle was for the disciples sake. Everything's yeah. from their perspective. Yeah. Over and over again, it's, you know, we're going across, we're, you know, our boat is, everything's told from their perspective and yeah. their experience of the storm and Jesus calming the storm. And it leads in verse 41 to that great fear we talked about, the, the being filled, fearing a mega fear. Uh, and they say then to one another, yeah, now they're applying the parable. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Who then is this? Yeah. Who is this man? Uh, that even the wind and the sea obey him. Like, okay, hold on. Up till now, he's been a great teacher. Yeah. This is a whole new level. Like, who is this guy? Yeah. It's a great question for us to ask, too, um, in the storms that we're facing. Yeah. Even if, it occurs to me, even if Jesus doesn't stand up to our storm and say, sit down and shut up, to the storm. Yeah. He's still the God in control. Yeah. Oh man. That just opens up a whole world in my mind of what, what would this story have been like if they wake him up and even though he is still God, even though he is still the Messiah says, our boat's going to wreck. Some of you won't make it, but I'm still God. Yeah. Right. Oh man. Uh, so I was reading, uh, some different sermons on this yeah and one of the guys said if you have a god great enough and powerful enough and infinite enough to be mad at because he doesn't stop your suffering you also have a god great enough and powerful enough and infinite enough to have a good reason for allowing you to go through your suffering yeah a a reason that you can't understand yeah that yeah I, i think often if we're frustrated with god or angry with god Um, And maybe there's people out there who are frustrated and angry with God who don't have a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. We're angry and frustrated because I think inherently there's a belief that he could do something about it, but hasn't, or hasn't done something about it in the way we want him to. Right. Right. And so if he's big enough to have fixed it, he's big enough to have a reason for not fixing it. Yeah. Or not doing exactly what I want. Yeah. All right. So we're in this storm. Mm -hmm. Um, 2020, a storm none of us saw coming, but we're here and we're all experiencing fear Mm -hmm. to some level or another. Um, Some of us maybe on the lower end, um, maybe mild fear. Some of us maybe fearing our own life and our own health and safety, Um, or, you know, maybe the the, uh, fear of the health of the people we love and care about. Um, And so there's other things going on too. You know, we we might fear uh, loss of financial security in the current, financial situation of the country, uh, loss of opportunity. I mean, as the youth pastor, I, I can't help but just uh, empathize and sympathize with the, the seniors that we have that might not even get a graduation, might not get a graduation party, um, and that their high school career is not ending the way they expected. Um, loss of friendships. Will the people that I was friends with mm-hmm. before quarantine still want to be friends with me after? Um, or maybe it's just a loss of sanity uh, that we are losing yeah. part of our mental capacity with everyone living at home. Yeah. Um, so yeah. take a moment, pause the video again, um, and talk with a friend on the phone or the people in the room. What fears have come up as a result of this storm we're yeah. experiencing? Yeah. What are you afraid of losing? Yeah. What are you afraid will never go back the way it was? 
Yeah. Uh, what long-term damage are you yeah. fearing from this? What are you afraid you're missing out on yeah. right now? Yeah. Uh, discuss those questions. So coming back from those questions, Nathan, in that discussion, yeah. um, what is that fear doing to our courage? What, what is that fear, the things that we're afraid of, what is it doing to our faith? Because I think for a lot of us, especially those of us for whom this is really real right now, who have older parents uh, or grandparents, for those who are already immunocompromised, yeah. uh, for those who are going onto the front lines, for those who are overwhelmed just covering the news of this all the time or themselves are overwhelmed by experiencing the news of this all the time and constantly hearing. We're, I think we're all tempted to sort of set this up like a, like a boxing match, like on, on, you know, in the one corner we've got coronavirus and in the other corner we've got God. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not certain. I'm afraid that God's not enough yeah. to defeat this. Yeah. And I'm afraid that if he chooses not to defeat it, well, then he must not actually be God. Yeah. So, so what do you think this, these fears are doing to our faith, to our courage? To put it they have an way. opportunity to shake our faith. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Let's say to put it another way, like what's, what's our response in this storm? What would, what would our response have to look like in this storm for Jesus to look at us and say, um, you were so courageous. You had, yeah. you had such faith. Well, when you figure out the answer to the question, let me know. Because I'm still trying to figure that out. I will. I do think one answer to the question, at least some answer to the question is, this isn't like a who has more faith competition, Yeah. right? We're often tempted to say like, well, if you just had more faith, then you wouldn't be afraid. If you just had more faith, you'd be more courageous. If you just had more faith, you know, the, you wouldn't fear. Yeah. Um, and maybe part of it is we need to be fearing God more than we fear the storm. And I know that right. sounds cheesy, right. but that's yeah. the reality of the situation. Um, and in fact, one of the reasons that we're choosing to um, cancel our services and, um, do things worship at home the way we have is not because we fear coronavirus more than we fear God, but because we also want to be a witness. We want to yeah. be a good example. We don't want people to see us still meeting together and blame us for mm -hmm. being ignorant or careless. Right. Yeah. Right now, sitting six feet apart may be the best way to love your neighbor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So when I think about what is, what are my fears doing to my faith? I think the, the question that comes along with it is, how is Jesus inviting me into deeper faith? Mm. I don't yeah. think he's calling me to, you know, muster up more faith. I mean, faith, we should remember, faith is simply the, the habit of believing that Jesus is who he says he is. Yeah. Right? That, that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. The storm of coronavirus is incredibly difficult and an impersonal force that has to be reckoned with. And yet a so much more powerful and astonishingly, infinitely more powerful personal force, personal power in God is on our side. If God be for us, who can be against us? Yeah. Certainly not any storm. So we don't have to be afraid yeah. because I think Jesus is calling us into a a deeper, more habitual belief that he is the man whom even the wind and sea obey. Yeah.
So the question he asks of his disciples, why are you so afraid or why are you acting so cowardly and have you still no faith? We should see in a sense as an invitation yes. into deeper faith. Yeah, into, into deeper, uh, well, and what is this crisis other than an invitation to believe more deeply, more realy yeah. that, that Jesus is who he says he is? Yeah. I mean, either he has just been the God who makes us happy and when he doesn't make us happy, we don't serve him. Yeah. Or he is the God who holds us even in the storm. Yeah. Uh, this this last week, I, you know, we've been as we're working on worship sets and what music are we going to sing and so yeah. yes, people sing and all that. A whole bunch of stuff has has uh, of course come across our our plates. And one of the hymns is an older hymn, but newer to me. And I was kind of half humming it, half singing it in the car uh, on the way home yesterday. And my daughter. I uh, should say on the way home from work, an essential, you know, trip. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my daughter was like, "Oh, we were supposed to learn learn that in Extol, the kids' choir." It, it was this hymn, "How can I keep from singing?" Yeah. And I I've been thinking on the the words, um, the refrain, the part that's sung over and over again goes like this: uh, "No storm can shake my inmost calm, while to that rock I'm clinging." Of course, rock has a capital R, right? Yeah. Jesus. No storm can shake my inmost calm while to that rock I'm clinging. Since Christ is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? Yeah, wow, uh, the, that's the, powerful. Yeah, and the hymn writer goes on in one of the stanzas, uh, what, what though my joys and comforts die, I know my Savior lives. Uh, what though the darkness gather round, songs in the night he gives. And then back to the refrain, no storm can shake my inmost calm while to that rock I'm clinging. Since Christ is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? Mm. I think the question that we face from this story today is, are we in a storm? Yes. Absolutely. Does God care? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> is he sleeping while we struggle? Not a chance. Not a chance. Yeah. But the storm's not going away. Yeah. So is Jesus big enough to be our Lord in the storm as he is our Lord over the storm, through the storm, when there's yeah. no storm. Yeah. I think we're being called to a deeper faith. Yeah. Well, can you pray yeah. for, I mean, just pray for all of us, pray for Pastor Jeff and his family, uh, pray for Faith Church that, um, you know, I, I, some pastor friends, uh, we've been praying specifically almost since the beginning that God would strengthen the church because of yeah. coronavirus. Yeah that he would strengthen the faith of the church. Please pray for us. Yeah. Heavenly Father, uh, we come to you as your children, uh, sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ, mm -hmm. knowing we have a relationship with you and, and you tell us that if we, we lack wisdom to ask it from you. So Father, we do ask for wisdom in this situation, um, the storm that we're in, but Father, we are also asking for deeper faith um, that in this storm, we would not worry, we would not um, tend towards um, being anxious, but that we would trust you in this storm. Father, we pray specifically for Pastor Jeff and his family. Um, pray for his father and his brother. And just, there's a lot of unknowns uh, about that situation. There's a lot that uh, his family is trying to figure out as they, as they worry and care for their health and the health of their family members. So Father, we pray for our pastor. We pray that you would uh, heal Pastor Jeff and heal others in his family who may have um, contracted coronavirus as well. 
We pray that you would keep our church family safe. Uh, pray that you would help us to keep our distance, even though we might crave that community. Uh, but Father, we also pray that you would draw us into deeper faith with one another, deeper community with one another, that as we grow in our relationship with you, we would grow in relationship with one another. Even though we might be distanced, even though we might not be able to communicate or see one another in the ways we would like to. Uh, Father, you are with us in this storm, and we pray that we would recognize your presence, your personal, powerful, unending presence in this storm, and that we would turn to you as you increase our faith more and more. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Nathan, thanks for joining me this morning, afternoon, evening, whenever yeah. it is that you guys are watching this. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Continue to pray and stay steadfast in the storm. Amen.